1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Anytime you hit a top fly list, you need to understand these are helpful, but they are not surefire guaranteed fish catching instructions. Now, I'm not saying that to downplay what I'm going to talk about today. I just want to set some realistic expectations. When I talk about my favorite flies, a lot of what's tied up in that is my confidence patterns, patterns that have worked for me time and time again. Patterns that I will turn to when I get into a situation where I don't think anything else is going to work. When I have seen the hatch report, when I've been at the fly shop and I've looked up on their board and seen what's been working and I've tried those things, but I'm not getting anywhere with the fish, I'll switch to the tried and true patterns that I have found that work for me. Now, I feel like there is more to it than my confidence, but you can't discount the fact that confidence plays a large role in the flies that you fish. You will inevitably fish a fly that you have confidence in harder. That is to say, you will make better casts, you will pay attention more, you won't spend that mental energy thinking about having the wrong pattern on, and instead of you will use it to fish that pattern well. If you think that sounds like too much psychoanalysis for fly fishing, then that is certainly an opinion that you are entitled to. But I've seen it time and time again in my own fishing, and I've talked to people, and they have experienced a very similar thing. That being said, with the patterns I'm going to mention today, specifically as it relates to winter fly fishing, I'm going to mention the pattern, but I'm going to also mention why I fish that pattern. And I think the why, and really the makeup of the flies that I'm talking about, are the things that are going to be the universal takeaways. What kind of flies could be your confidence flies in the winter? What kind of flies should you be carrying all the time? And it may very well be the patterns that I'm about to mention, or it could be something completely different. So without further ado, we are talking about some confidence patterns for winter fly fishing. Now, where do I fish? Now, that, that this plays a big, big role in this conversation. So I fish in New England and in the Mid-Atlantic, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, up into New Hampshire, Maine, and, uh, and Massachusetts. And this is where I do most of my fly fishing for trout. So that is going to play a part in it. Uh, I also typically fish small to medium rivers. I do fish larger rivers from time to time, but small and medium rivers are primarily where I'm fishing. 
But of course, as I mentioned earlier, these confidence flies are flies that I would pull out on a large river, flies that I would pull out if I was down on a big tailwater, flies that I would fish if I was fishing in, say, the Driftless in Wisconsin or in Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. Places I've fished before that I don't have as much experience with, but I'm going to still turn to the flies that I like fishing, that I know how to fish, that I have confidence the fish are going to key in on. So what's the first pattern? The first pattern for winter fly fishing, fishing when it is colder, that I have confidence in, that I'm always going to have, and I'm always going to be ready to tie on is a Griffith's gnat. Now, this is probably the least sexy of all fly patterns. A Griffith's gnat is a fine wire dry fly hook with a little bit of a thread base and then some palmered grizzly hackle wrapped from uh, the, the, the bend of the hook up to the head of the hook. That's it. It is one of the simplest patterns to tie. It is the pattern that I always suggest people learn to tie when they are tying midges because you really uh, are able to make a few mistakes and still get a very, very fishable fly uh, with, with a Griffith's gnat. But why a Griffith's gnat? So I like fishing a Griffith's gnat in the wintertime because, especially if you're fishing a uh, spring creek or a tailwater or another stream that has, uh, you know, an opportunity to warm up because of a shallow uh, stretch or because of just the insect activity that's in that, that creek, the one kind of insect that you're going to be encountering more often than not is midges. So teeny tiny little mayflies, teeny tiny little bugs that are going to not just be rising and buzzing around on the surface, but they're also going to be landing on the surface of the, of the water. And you see this, you see uh, stoneflies crawling up on the snow and on the ice. So they're out and about. But what I like about the Griffith's gnat is that it is a very, very flexible pattern. And so it's a, a midge pattern that I turn to year round. But I like it because you can really lube it up with a lot of floating and it's going to ride on the tips of the hackles and present a very delicate surface profile as this thing floats. So you're able to replicate a very, very dainty little midge. But then if you don't use as much floatant or you allow it to get a little bit waterlogged, but it still has some floating going on, then it can imitate a larger insect that is sitting on the water. And if you grease up your leader, it can be an all-purpose midge that is sitting in that surface film because there's just not much going on. It's basically just hackle on a hook. It is not going to need a whole lot of cute uh, touch-ups to stay in that surface film and fish like an emerger or a relatively recently drowned dry fly. So that is a great pattern when there is surface activity. It is so ubiquitous in its profile and its shape. It's just a buggy little fly that you're able to present it to any rising fish or any fish that's coming to the surface to take a, uh, a fly that's stuck in the surface film and you're going to have relative success. Uh, I, I'm certainly have had my fair of, of fish in the wintertime come up and nose it and look at it and then turn away. But a lot of times it uh, is an opportune meal and they are more than happy to oblige. I like to carry it in small sizes, um, 18, uh, 20, 22, 24, uh, because that gives you the, the options of not just messing with how you dress it with floatant and different uh, tippets, but also uh, the, the kind of profile that it, it presents on the water with those different fly sizes. And as always, with your uh, 
uh, midges, make sure you're using the right, not just tippet diameter, but also tippet length. Uh, 12 inches of 7x isn't going to cut it. I mean, you need a uh, bare minimum, you know, fingertip to, to armpit uh, to get a good natural drift uh, and, and really reduce the drag that is going to be perceptible uh, by trout when you are fishing a small flight like that in the places where you're fishing it, slower, uh, glassier water um, in the wintertime when there's just not that many options. You're not going to get as many chances as you are going to in the spring, summer, and fall. So you want to take advantage of them. All right. Griffith's gnat is number one. Number two, subsurface. It is going to be a prince nymph, but not any prince nymph. Because I like fishing big stonefly patterns um, in, in the wintertime. And certainly the the, the, the prints, uh, if in, in the darker colors and larger sizes in your, uh, even up to 12 and uh, 14, um, and even a bigger fly like a 10, uh, can replicate a stonefly pattern. I like a big meaty bug, but what I like about my prince nymphs is like a crazy prince. Uh, um, I've uh, I've seen on uh, Tim Camisa's channel he has one called the Mega Prince, um, and what these are is prince nymphs that have a little something extra going on: rubber legs, uh, a flashback, maybe a hot spot, uh, maybe even a longer tail. And so what you're starting to do at this point is you're, you're not necessarily replicating and imitating one thing in particular, but you are replicating a lot of different things that are available and attractive food sources for trout. So it could be a big stone fly nymph. It could be a helgramite. It could be even a dying bait fish and a big buggy fly like that um, when bounced on the bottom, so something maybe with a tungsten head or with a little bit of split shot just up the nymph rig, or something that is fished in the middle of the water column that's tumbling. If it has an undulating tail because you've used a little bit of marabou as a tail, or you do have those rubber legs, or even if it has something like uh, turkey biot sticking out, or goose biot, excuse me, sticking out the, the front of it, um, and maybe almost like a wet fly uh, hackle around the collar, it is going to have that passive fishing uh, uh, ability where you're not jigging the thing. You're keeping a tight line on it and it is moving and undulating and it's presenting a large enough profile uh, for, for these fish to, to key in on it and you'll do, do very well. So a great thing about this pattern is if you are doing tight line nymphing and you have a glove on in the wintertime, it's going to be heavy enough where it is going to provide that kind of resistance in the water where you'll be able to have good contact with your fly. So if you get any nicks or nibbles or bumps, you'll be able to set that hook as need be. And then, of course, when you add on a cup, an, another fly, you know, whether it be 18 or 24 inches down, you're going to get that residual benefit of still having contact with that big buggy prince and uh, whatever fly is trailing behind it. So if you want to fish your prince, then a tiny little hare's ear or a big gaudy prince, and then a traditional prince beneath it that might be in a size like 18 or 20 you're going to have that heavy fly as an anchor point where even if you've got gloves on or even if your hands are really cold, you'll be able to feel anything that happens to that big buggy fly. So it can be as simple as adding a hot spot or as simple as adding a bigger, um, like a wet hackle style collar on the, the prints. Or you can add the rubber legs and you can add uh, a marabou tail but something like that is going to be a great multi-purpose fly that is going to just provide a big 
honking meal that fish are going to see, uh, you know, from across the water column. So that's the second one. So Griffith's gnats, number one, the big buggy prince is number two. Actually, before number three, one quick thing. So the holidays are coming and you are not quite at the 11th hour, but uh, you're getting there. And uh, the one of the ways to make sure you take care of everything that you need for the gentleman in your life or for yourself, for the sake of everyone around you, is by going to manscaped.com. And you can use the code CASTING, C-A-S-T-I-N-G, for free shipping and 20% off. All right, so here's a word I've never said on the podcast before, and I'm probably not going to say ever again, loofah. Now, I don't know why people use loofahs. It is basically a maze of material where everything that's on you that you're trying to get off in the shower can hide. Then you hang it up or you try to get clean the next day. But I guess it works because there's an abrasive aspect to it. But you still have all the things that are hiding on the inside. Manscaped has figured out something that is super masculine looking and also has absolutely no hook nooks and crannies for anything gross to hide in. It is called the buff. It is a little handheld doohickey with little knobbies that you put your body wash on and then you scrub yourself to your heart's content. Uh, This little guy is 100% antibacterial. It's food grade silicone. It has bristles and it it has an advanced lather and exfoliation, say that three times fast, to help you unclog your pores and reduce ingrown hairs. Nobody wants either of those things. It has an ergonomic handle and an extra large, get this, malleable surface to get all those hard to reach areas. It's going to make you clean, and it's not going to stink after you do it. And if it does, throw it in the dishwasher. I'm not sure if that's what you're supposed to do, but that's what I plan on doing once that happens. So like I said, you should go to manscaped.com. You will get 20% off and free shipping with the code CASTING. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code CASTING. Get ready for the holiday season and get clean. Number three, and this is a no-brainer, but let me qualify this. Uh, It's a woolly bugger. Okay. Now here's the kind of woolly buggers I like to fish in the wintertime. There's two varieties um, and they are nothing fancy, but I like fishing both of them, a traditional woolly bugger and a jig hook woolly bugger. They're very different in the way that they move in the water, especially if you are fishing them with a, in, in slower water, you're fishing them maybe alongside the bank uh, and you're giving them a little bit of jigging action both flies are going to do very different things. In faster water, I like to fish the traditional hook, the downturn hook, and in a little bit slower water, I like to fish the upturn hook or the jig hook. They are both going to look very, very different depending on where you're fishing and how you're fishing. And so I like to carry both in my box. But the other thing that I think is important in the wintertime is to fish smaller patterns. So although I have certainly taken large fish on large streamer patterns in the wintertime because you will have fish that are exhibiting predatory behavior and that because you're fishing a larger fly that looks like it's crippled or that's in distress that you will elicit that predatory response. But by and large, I'm thinking that I have a better option of getting in front of more fish 
by giving a more finesse presentation. So instead of throwing the big guns, I'm putting something out there that seems like a much more reasonable target for these fish to key in on. So I like fishing these buggers, both the jig style and tradi traditional uh, style in sizes like uh, 14 and, and maybe a little bit smaller, maybe 16 and maybe 12. And so 14 I can. So that's, that's a really tiny fly. But what this does is it is putting, like I said, it puts the, the fly in front of more fish that are able to key in on it. And if you're, you're finding that you're getting short strikes and the fish are being a little noncommittal, then that's when I'll upgrade to a bigger streamer. But what I like about this is it almost kind of does a dual function. It provides the same sort of fishability as the previous fly I mentioned, the big buggy prints. But then also when you find yourself in a situation where maybe you are sight fishing and you see that you've gotten a fish's attention, you can give it a, give it a couple of quick strips and you're actually replicating a bait fish that's trying to flee. Or if you are fishing in really slow water, um, and and this is or I like doing this is like where you have a, you know a spring seep is or a tributary is coming in and, and bringing in a little bit warmer water, uh, and fish may be keying in on that, but it's also maybe a place where things are a little bit shallower or sandier. Getting that fly, that woolly bugger, especially that jig bugger, to drop down, nose down onto that sediment and kind of dance and and act like a fish that is feeding or that's trying to take thermal refuge. That is a really uh, great way to present a fly to a fish that is going to act aggressively because it is, is taking advantage of a fish that's basically helpless or bait fish that's helpless. And having that marabou on the back of that tail is going to really do, do a great work for, for that. And so when I tie these, I, 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 they're basically the same woolly bugger proportions. It is a tail that is essentially as long as the body, but a nice thick marabou tail. Um, and uh, not, not the not the webby stuff, but the nice fine, the nice fine marabou fibers. And uh, it's just going to undulate and it's going to move. And it's going to do that when it's dead drifting, but it's also going to do that when it's sitting on the bottom and it's you're, you're twitching it and bouncing it. So that is the no brainer. I mean, I'm always fishing with the buggers. And as far as colors go, you know, the world's your oyster, right? Um, olives and uh, black and um, brown, brown doesn't give as much credit as it, as, as it, as it should, but like, uh, a lot of sculpins are really more brown than they're olive. I mean, they're modeled. I mean, if you really wanted to do your due diligence, you'd mix brown and, uh, an olive and that would make it look like a sculpin, right? Um, brown's a good color. And I've got my secret color, which I'm just not going to talk about, but it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to fish. I mean, of course the pattern works. Everyone knows how that pattern works, but it's a great way to fish. And the last pattern. So I set the Griffith snap and I like to fish those in uh, 18, 2022, 20, the buggy, uh, Prince nymph, whatever uh, your, your pattern of choices and fishing that in, um, in 10, 12, 14, and then the woolly bugger in 12, 14, 16, both in the jig and the traditional setup. The last fly I like to fish in the wintertime as a confidence pattern for me is a flashback bead head hair's ear in a 14, 16, 18. So this is a normal looking hair's ear, nothing crazy about it, except for it does have uh, something on its back. And whether that be a little bit of crystal flash or whether it be some, a little bit of mylar, whatever it is, 
um, going from behind the bead and and preferably uh, a heavier bead like a tungsten bead um, from the collar and back to the the tail in in case, in lieu of a wing case. So this looks like a normal buggy little hare's ear, uh, with the exception of a flashy back. Now I like to pick a mylar or pick a crystal flash that is a more subtle color. I don't want something that's super iridescent. In, in my preference for a winter fly that I'm going to to fish confidence with confidence, it's going to be basically a translucent, uh, um, clear back on, on this nymph. So all that it is is not giving the kind of flash that you're you're typically thinking of that iridescent, you know, shiny oil slick looking thing. Um, this is something that really will will flash intermittently. So as it catches the light here and there, it's going to offer a little bit of something. Uh, and I like this fly because it is super subtle. Now, why has this fly become a confidence fly? Well, hare's ear is a confidence fly year round. It's a great all-purpose fly that imitates anything and everything that's underwater. It's super buggy. They're very easy to tie. They are, they are readily available and they are proven. Um, but this is a fly that I have found is very, very successful on pressured fish, including Great Lakes tributary steelhead. This is one of my favorite nymph patterns to fish for steelhead, but it works great on rainbows. It works great on browns. It works great on, uh, big brookies in, 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 uh, pressured waters. And the reason is, is because it is the most just you know, innocuous fly out there. It is very subtle, but at the same time, I think that, and again, this is where my confidence comes into play, uh, fishing this fly, that, that translucent wing case made out of Mila or crystal flash or whatever, you know, um, material you choose to use. It just has that intermittent flash. It is not gaudy. It's just providing what it could be is a little air bubble that's trapped in there in, in a natural, it could look like that or it could look like wings that are starting to, to sprout, but it's incredibly subtle and it's not going to be the kind of thing that is going to be calling fish from across the stream, but it is going to get fish's attention now and again. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that is going to make a fish that is lethargic, that meta their metabolism is just not doing a whole lot of work. It's gonna get them to move their head and give them that extra incentive to commit. That is what really all four of these patterns do. But I think that the um, the flashback, but the subtle flashback, hair's ear, does that exceptionally well in pressured water for big fish that are actively feeding, but are not going to use a ton of energy to go chase down a tiny little nymph. If they see this and they move their head a little bit and they swim over into their feeding, you know, into the lane adjacent to their feeding lane, then you have done your job. So those are my four patterns, uh, Griffith's gnat, the buggy prince, the woolly bugger, teeny tiny woolly bugger, and the flashback hare's ear. Those are my four winter confidence patterns. Now, if I see something going on in front of me, my mind will totally change and I will, I will fish the fly that I think I need to fish again. No problem fishing um, other midges, no problem fishing other traditional nymphs, no problem fishing much larger streamers. But those are the four flies that I always have in my box anywhere I go and I will turn to when things get slow or just when I feel like I need a boost of my confidence as I pursue trout in the winter. And trout are going to feed because trout are animals and animals eat.
You have to remind yourself of simple things like that when you're not doing well in the wintertime. This week on castingacross.com. First article was called Catch, Release, and Tip, Guides and Gratuity. So uh, I tip my fly fishing guides. I tip a lot of people. And that's not because I'm a high roller. It's not because I am just uh, leaking money. Um, I think that people who do good work deserve a little bit extra as a thank you and as an extension of my appreciation for their efforts, but also because it is social convention. Now, I'm not one to say that because everybody else is doing it, I'm going to do it too. But when it comes to kind of commerce, then I do think that's a compelling argument. That being said, there's more to tipping your fly fishing or your fishing or your hunting or whatever guide uh, than what I just said there. And I touch on some of those concepts in that article, catch, release, and tip, guides, and gratuity. But this is something that's generated a little bit of buzz. I've gotten a few comments, a few uh, messages and things like that about that. I'd love to hear your take on this. Matthew at castingacross.com. Matthew at castingacross.com. Let me know what you think, and I would be happy to, uh, to, to you know, add that to something that I put out in the future. Wednesday's article is called Firsts They'll Remember. Firsts They'll Remember. Uh, recently, my 10-year-old got his first duck, uh, which was really cool uh, because he was preparing for it uh, and he was just aware of what was happening. With a lot of our fishing memories, uh, he wasn't there because he was so young. And so I talk about that and how that's a kind of a cool dynamic within this situation in Wednesday's article called Firsts They'll Remember. And the picture is just fantastic. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not like a photographer. Um, that's certainly not the point of casting across, but the picture on this article is just, just awesome. And maybe it's because I'm the dad, but it's a great picture. This week's recommendation on the podcast is the Men's Escape Zip Waiters from Reddington. The Men's Escape Zip Waiters from Reddington. Now, one of the big uh, complaints about zip waiters is how expensive they are. These waiters come in at under $350, and I have to say, I am a huge fan of them. Um, I've been wearing them for a few seasons. I have waiters that come in at nearly twice that dollar amount, but these are by far my favorite fly fishing waders. They're comfortable, they're easy to get on and get off, uh, and the the zipper does a whole lot more than just make it easier to go to the bathroom, right? Uh, it's, it makes it easier to get in and out of them, and it also provides ventilation. Maybe not what you're looking for in the middle of the wintertime, but if you are looking for a solidly built, comfortable, convenient pair of waders, not a bunch of bells and whistles, just really put together well. Uh, the men's escape zip waders from Reddington is definitely worth uh, looking at. Go find a local fly shop that carries them, try them on, or just head over to reddington.com. I will put a, excuse me, farbank.com. They've changed uh, that now we're Reddington, Rio, and Sage are all on the same uh, website. Um, but uh, I'll put a link to the Escape Zip Waiters on this podcast page over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. want to succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest oh. <laughs>
Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.